Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. I'm always privileged to stand on this platform because we share it with giants. There are people who speak from this platform. We've got one coming tonight where they walk the talk. They don't just say stuff. They actually believe it and they walk it in their everyday life. So I just want to let you know that it is a huge privilege to speak to you this morning. I do not take it lightly. And I'm only a little bit nervous, but that's okay. (laughs) All right, so um, this morning we're going to be talking about um, rule and reign. This is a new theme that we're stepping into. No, we're not getting rid of Faith, Love, Hope. That's a lifestyle. That's who we are. But what we're doing as a church is we're stepping into a new focus. And so we're focusing on the rule and reign of Jesus. We're talking about the kingdom. And now in those scriptures, you'll hear about a kingdom that's coming and a kingdom that's here. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what it means to live according to the kingdom. And so today, I just want to launch a conversation around it. We're going through July and August talking about the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, we're just going to open it up, I guess. We're going to open the heaven over us and we're going to hear from the Holy Spirit and we're going to um, see what he has to say about his kingdom and about our place in his kingdom. So, um, where are we going today, though, specifically? Um, I want to introduce a conversation around the kingdom of God and uh, if I quote the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Okay, if Jesus is telling us to seek the kingdom, I'm pretty sure it's a good idea that we do that. And so how awesome is it to be in a church where we're spending two months actually unraveling what the kingdom of God even is? Because some of us as Christians, we walk around not really understanding where we really come from. Like, we, our lives on earth is just like a whisper of smoke yeah. or it's a, a, a cup of water in your hands and it just flips through, like just sinks through your hands and we, we don't fully remember often that we're actually part of a heavenly kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And so that's what we're opening up today. And as a teacher, prior knowledge is important. <laughs> There's no point adding new content if you don't really understand how it all links together. And so I'm going to start this morning by going through the Old Testament and and showing you how the kingdom of God is actually woven through the entire Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along and then he obviously reasserts it. So it makes sense why we need to understand all of this. First, let's pray because I think that's important. Father God, thank you so much for the privilege it is to open your word today. More so, God, the privilege is to open it together in community, right here, right now. You've brought us all into this building for a particular purpose, and the words that we hear today are from you. So, Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to be your vessel and to speak your truth. And, Father, before I do anything, I ask that you would put a boundary around this place, that we are in your holy sanctuary right now. And so the words that are coming out of my mouth are going to cut deep into people's hearts. Everyone will walk away with something from you today. I rebuke any distraction. I rebuke any obstacle. I rebuke any, any attempt to distract us today from your word. 
Your word is alive. It is a consuming fire. So I thank you today for what you're going to do. Amen. Hi, Mum. <laughs> okay, so obviously I only get like 30 minutes with you this morning. So there's a whole lot in the scripture that I can't give to you today. So you will gonna, you, you're going to have to do a bit of work in your own time, okay? You ready? Awesome. Okay. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let's do it. Okay. Where is the kingdom of God talked about in the Old Testament? Okay, so I'm going to start all the way over here. Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. God creates the world and he instates his people as rulers and we get to reign with him over his creation. The, the kingdom language of kings and queens and all that kind of stuff wasn't actually instated yet because he's just created the world and he's allowed us to rule over it. So we don't need the word king yet. Genesis chapter 1, right here. And then what we do is we go through scripture and sin enters the world and we kind of lose that rule and reign, our authority to do that. And, and so what God has to do is he has to reassert his authority because it's not like he lost it and it's not like we... Uh, well, we did forget. <laughs> but all he's doing is he's just reminding. And so what he does is he calls Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah out, and he says, you guys are going to be a holy nation, and I'm going to make a great kingdom out of you. No, he didn't use the language kingdom yet, because he didn't need to. But he's reasserting his authority. Okay, and then what that happens, they, they end up under oppression in Egypt, because that's what happens when humans get involved. <laughs> And uh, God saves them miraculously. And um, what they do when they get out of oppression is the first thing they do is they worship. They create the first worship song. And part of the lyrics is, you reign, the king reigns forever. And so they're using the kingdom language that you reign again. And so they, they go into the promised land, Joshua takes them in, and they lose sight of who their king is. They see all these nations around them who have kings and they're like, well, why don't we have a king? Forgetting that God's their king. They don't need a human king. They actually just need to obey the Heavenly Father, right? But no, God's like, okay, well, if you need it, whatever, I'll sort it out. And so he sends King Saul, and King Saul didn't turn out too well, so then he puts King David along. And King David is actually promised that his seed, his uh, heritage, his family will reign forever. And if you look at the genealogy, Jesus is part of King David's family. So how cool is that? He's prophesied, Jesus is prophesied about in Isaiah. I'm hoping you're like following along with this. You guys are awesome. Okay. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. That's you, by the way. Messenger, good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. They're talking about Jesus here. And so the title of my message this morning is Jesus Rules. <laughs> Classic youth style, Jesus Rules. He says in Mark chapter 1, this is Jesus, he's now on the scene, and this is where we're going to kind of park today, because Jesus says a lot about his kingdom when he comes to earth. The first thing he says, he starts declaring that the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Do you know, modern culture actually kind of like limit Jesus to just being a teacher of um, 
culture, like uh, good living. Um, but I want to tell you that Jesus didn't get crucified for telling people to love each other. He didn't get crucified for telling you to pray for your enemies. He didn't get crucified for saying to give generously. He got crucified because he was claiming to be the king of the entire world. (laughs) Crazy, right? This is his whole message. Yeah, he said how to live in his kingdom, but he's declaring that he is the king. He's the promised Messiah that they've all been waiting for. Changing history here. Jesus rules. Okay, marriage is fun, right? You'd be surprised by how many times that Cam and I, when we first got married, people came up to us and just like, oh, just wait five years. You probably won't love each other that much. I'm like, oh, not not for me, because I don't believe that, but oh, for you. (laughs) Like, oh, that's so sad. Because marriage is awesome. I don't know who's married here, but I I think it's awesome. Marriage is amazing. And the thing that surprised me the most when we got married was the eggshell walking. Because we didn't live together before we got married, and so we were like, oh, I wonder how he's going to handle all my habits. Apparently, when I'm asleep, I, um, (laughs) apparently when I'm asleep, I go like this, and I tickle my arms. (laughs) I don't know. He handled that okay, though, because he didn't tell me until a few years later <laughs> that he's waking up in the middle of the night to me just going. <laughs> but marriage is fun. You get to actually learn and grow together, and you get to do life together. And the, the biggest thing about marriage is that you're, you're now stepping away from mum and dad, and you're coming into a new family. You're, you're instating, okay, what are our values? What are, what are our priorities? How are we going to do this life together? And the same thing happens when you come into the family of God. When you say, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, I want to follow you for the rest of my life, you become part of his family. And you have to work with him to decide, well, God, what are your values? What are your priorities? I I want to match up with that. So if we're part of his kingdom, then we should probably figure out where we really come from. Does that make sense? In Ephesians 1.5, this is all of us. This is, this is a scripture directly to us. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It was always his intention to have you saved. It was always his intention to have you part of his family. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So what do you need to know this morning? You need to know that you actually belong in Jesus' kingdom. You belong. And I don't know about you, but when I feel like I belong, all of that pressure falls away. The, I feel accepted. I can be myself. I don't have to pretend to fit in because I'm already accepted. And I know that not everyone feels that way. Some people feel like even though, yeah, 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 you're accepted, but you still have to perform. You still have to like put the wall up. God never intended you to feel that way. In fact, he probably is grieving that you feel that way because he loves you and he wants you. He actually designed you to be that way for a very particular purpose. So when we come into his family, we can shake off the shame, shake off the guilt and just be ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, but you're not like that. You're a chosen people. 
your royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can actually show others the goodness of God. He called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And with that acceptance and playing part, you're adopted into his family. There's, there's amazing privileges that come with that. And I, amazing. Like, it, it's still, it's overwhelming to think of what we get when we are in God's family. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, because you're united to Christ, you both have equal and direct access into the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you're not foreigners, you're not even guests, but rather you're children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Yes, you, the one who stays awake at night thinking about what's happening in your marriage. Yes, even you, the one who's constantly uh, accused at work for something you didn't even do. Yes, you, the one who's having challenges with your children. Every single person who believes in Jesus has this privilege. You can come before the Father, the King, with no shame, with no guilt. You don't need all those ducks in a row. And I pray this morning that we would release ourselves from the the perfection mindset. You don't need to be perfect. In fact, God's language around perfect is not the way that we think. His word for perfect is translated to wholeness. And he brings us into his wholeness. It's not perfect. We're not robots here. And if I'm being really honest, it's not even about you. It's about God. It's about him. So we can let go of it. There's my, one of my all-time favorite books um, that I, I come back to all the time, every single year. Um, It's a book called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, and it basically follows this guy's life on how he um, pursues God and how he actually handles life and tries to be in his presence at all times because that's our heart cry, right? We go to work and we forget. Then we get home, it's like, well, now I've got the kids. And then you remember God when you're in bed before you go to sleep, and it's like, oh, now I'm tired. And so you haven't spent that presence, you haven't been in his presence. And so I come back to this book all the time because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live that way. Right. I want to live with him. I want to know what he wants me to do. And so he makes a quote in there. He says, the greater perfection, now change it, the greater wholeness a soul aspires for, the more dependent it is upon divine grace. So I pray that you would receive his grace this morning. Right. Yeah. The part of his family... And so what that means now is, second thought this morning, is that we now get to live according to his kingdom values. We need to find out what it's like to live in the kingdom. As I said before, our life is just a whisper of smoke. It's like we're only here for a short amount of time. Like I want to know when I get to my real home, my true home, I want to know how I'm meant to live. I want to know what it's like there. And so we read scripture to figure out what that's like. And um, for all the parents in the room, you would probably understand this the most because you have an incredible privilege and honour and responsibility to teach your children the ways of the kingdom. Like you do that in the natural by teaching them how to live in your home, but you also have the privilege to teach them what it's like to live in the heavenly home. And you're doing that at such a small age. And 
Keep your resolves because they're meant to push your buttons. <laughs> they're meant to test those waters. They're meant to challenge you. But God trusts you with their life. He wouldn't give you those children if he didn't trust you. And so keep your resolves. Keep teaching them the kingdom of God. Joshua chapter 24, if this is a scripture that you'd like for your family. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Skip through. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Keep it at the forefront. We will serve the Lord. When your kid's running off doing something ridiculous, hey, we're going to serve the Lord. So come on, let's go. I understand why you're doing that, because you're two. But we're going to serve the Lord, and this is how he asks us to live. So in order to understand his kingdom values, it's kind of like two parts. First, you have to know what kingdom living looks like, and then you need to understand your authority to actually bring heaven to earth, on earth as it is in heaven. So we get to, we're part of it, now we've got to live it. We've got to live it first, action it, and then bring it about as ambassadors on the earth. And where do we go to find out what the kingdom of heaven is like? Well, scripture. Jesus talks about it all the time. That's his whole purpose. Yeah, he talks about um, like morals and values, but that's moral and values of the kingdom. And so if you go to the Sermon on the Mount, he spends two, three chapters going on about it. But when you read it, you're like, that's a bit upside down, isn't it? It's a bit different to the way we do it as, as human beings. He talks about how you need to love and pray for the people who are persecuting you. In fact, he says to actually rejoice when you're persecuted. I don't like it when my boss tells me what to do when I have, I've already done it. I don't like it when he accuses me of something that I ha- haven't done. I don't like it when my parents are always blah, 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 blah. Rejoice when you're persecuted. <laughs> he also says go the second mile. So actually put more effort in even when you're tired. He also says, give in secret, so no boasting. Keep it a secret, because he sees it in secret. That doesn't make any sense. I want everyone to know that I did an awesome thing. Right? Hmm. It's quite hard. It is hard, right, to live according to the kingdom. It is hard to do it 24-7. Well, today I'm going to talk about how. How can we do it 24-7? The purpose of the Sermon on the Mount was not to make you feel bad. We're never going to... We're humans. We're imperfect. Like, do you know what I mean? So the Sermon on the Mount wasn't designed to say, here's the standard and you'll never reach it. Ha! Suck it. No, of course Jesus would never intend that. His intention was actually to bring about your dependence on him. He's saying, this is the standard of the kingdom... And it will be easy for you to do it when you get there. But for now, you need to depend on me. You need to sit with me. You need to learn from me. You need to walk with me in order to do this. And it takes simple obedience. We also get to pray it in. We get to pray it. As ambassadors of his kingdom, we get to pray it in. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we live it, and now we get to usher it in. We get to usher it into earth as it is in heaven. Now, the Great Commission. This is all of our, all of our mission on earth. 
Go and make disciples. Baptize them, teach them what I've taught you. Well, I haven't really spent any time with Jesus to know what it's like to live there. I don't know. Okay, well, that's a problem then, so we should probably spend more time with God. We can't teach someone something that we don't know, right? And Jesus isn't saying teach them everything. He's just saying teach them what I've taught you, one step at a time. I've taught you this, now teach that. Live it and teach it. Okay, I'm now going to teach you something else. Teach that and does it make sense? God's so good. So with this great commission, Jesus is saying that you immediately become an ambassador of his kingdom. You immediately become kind of like, if I use the imagery of a police, you have final authority. People are going to understand that you're carrying his kingdom message, his laws, his rules, his way of life. And in the spiritual realm, you have full authority over every spiritual um, enemy trying to come against you. But Amanda, I don't really feel like I have the right to do that. I, I ha- what makes me someone that's able to do any of that? How can I teach other people about God's kingdom? I don't, I don't know. Well, can I tell you that his grace is sufficient? His grace and mercy and he's calling you out. Isn't that enough? Like, I'm accepted into his kingdom and if I know anything about my God is that he loves me and he's called me. He's calling me every single day. And so it shouldn't matter how I feel. It should be his grace is sufficient. And I don't know about your life, but my life, I've made some terrible mistakes. But his grace is sufficient. So I can look past that. Like, imagine Paul. Imagine Paul, like his whole life was at the beginning was all about persecuting Christians and and he's now 180 degrees and he's like, how's he going to look past all of his mistakes? That's hard, but we've got to do it. His grace is sufficient for you to live according to the way of his kingdom. And it kind of takes off the pressure of trying to do it ourselves or constantly having it perfect. And if I want to tell you anything about Jesus, kings in ancient times, ancient kingdoms, right, they come to give you the law, but they, they're actually meant to embody it. So they're meant to live it themselves. And if you read the Old Testament or if you look into kingdoms in ancient times, there are a lot of kings who don't live up to the law that they've bestowed on their people. But Jesus, he does. Jesus embodies the law perfectly. In fact, he actually says in Matthew 5, it says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to fulfill them. I came to embody them perfectly. And so you can understand that I'm actually a good king. I'm actually a good leader. I'm here to do right by you. In fact, I'm going to pour out my whole life for you. Because in Isaiah, he was prophesied as the servant king, as the one who does anything for his citizens. He's a good king. Okay, Amanda, but okay, I get it. I'm part of the kingdom. I want to live by it and I want to teach others about it. How do I do that? I'm constantly falling short. How do I do that? Well, abide to build. Abide in him so you can know how to build. Abide in him so you can learn from him and hear from him. 
Pastor Sam made a, uh, a quote, I wrote it down years ago, I don't even know when, but it stuck with me. And he says, stop looking in the mirror and start looking in the face of God. Stop looking at yourself and start looking and learning in the face of God. Do you remember how I said we have direct access to the Father? There's nothing stopping you. There's absolutely no obstacle stopping you from being in his presence. It's our choice of how we're going to spend our time. That quote that Pastor Sam made, I think it perfectly sums up John 15, where he says, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch can't produce fruit if it's not severed from it, uh, fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Our dependence has to be on him. When um, we were actually asked to be youth pastors, um, for me it was, it was quite a challenge in that first couple of months, in the first year even, to try and reconcile with myself that God trusted me with teenagers. He trusted me with their lives. He trusted us to actually guide them and lead them in, in their relationship with God. And that's, that's huge. Because like, I've been in leadership for a while. Um, and I served in different areas, and even in teaching, like, I, I, I have a ministry to teach these tiny children. But I don't know what it was when we got asked. I, I had a really hard time trying to allow God's trust to, to be in me and to, to walk in that authority. And he caught me one day. He said, hey, Amanda, you don't have a choice but to be found in me. I've got my marker on you and I'm not backing down. Your yes is powerful, but don't get bogged down in the task. Just remember, none of what you will do will come to any good if you're not found in me. Your ability to lead will only have power when it's attached to mine. And that goes for anyone. Whatever sphere, is the language that we use, whatever area that you're serving God in, if it's in your home, if it's in your workplace, if it's here, if it's anywhere, he's got his marker on you and you need to attach what you do to his power, to his glory, to his grace. And in order to do that, we need to abide. We need to remain in him. We need to stay in him. Have you felt that inkling? Have you felt that tug? I so often want to just run away with God. Just get in my car and go somewhere with just me and him. Have you felt that? Because that's God putting the desire in your heart. That's, that's his part to play. Our part is to actually find that place, find the secret place. Going back to my favorite book, um, Brother Lawrence makes another quote. He says, meditate on him often. Adore him continually. Live and die with him. This is the glorious vocation of a Christian. It's always all about him. Never about us. It's always about him. It's always about glorifying him. It's always about bringing people to understand him better. His kingdom 
Jesus rules, it's always about him. And I want to pray for a few people this morning. One is I want to offer you a salvation to know King Jesus. I want, to, I want to provide a space for you to reflect on your walk with God, wherever that is. And if you'd like to come into his kingdom family, then you can. There's nothing stopping you. There's no obstacle. And, and all it takes, scripture says, that we just need to confess it and believe. And so I'm going to offer you that invitation this morning. The other one, I, I want to offer... Um, I want to offer an, a moment where the Holy Spirit can speak to you about your priorities and your schedule and your, the time that you spend with God. Because I know life, as Carolina said, it's, life gets in the way. And we can very often forget what our main mission in this life is all about. And it's all about Jesus. We, we forget because we've got so many tasks and demands but the Holy Spirit is our wise counsel. He's our guide. And he will talk to you. He will tell you exactly what needs to change, what needs to shift in your world, where you can have this abiding, where you can actually spend that time with God. But I do want to disclaim that it, you are going to have to be a bit forceful with yourself. <laughs> you do actually need to commit to it. If the Holy Spirit tells you something, you should probably do it. It'll change your life. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.